in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Both the Chargers and Broncos lost yesterday. Chargers losing to the Vikings. The Broncos losing to the Eagles. The Raiders could have been in first place in the AFC West had they beaten the Chiefs at last night, but they lost and they now sit in third. Do you believe the Chiefs are about to run away with the division? I think so, and more apt to, I'm not even going to talk with the Raiders right now, but Justin Herbert has not been good of lately. Three straight games, I think, in the 70 or 80% rating. If he continues that, the Chiefs are running away with it because I still think I still think the Chargers are better than the Raiders on a, on a on a given day, and he has not been good at all. So if he continues to play like that, I think the Chiefs, you know, I mean, they're, they're six and four against five and four. What's run away mean? Win it by three? Yeah, you're already I mean, 10 games into it, so... From where Kansas City was to start this right. year, I mean, it was... This team was... They were in last place, what? As late as week six mm-hmm. of the of the season? Something like that? Like, the, the, Kansas City's not been good this season, but they're still in first place and, and first place in a division where everybody's 500 or better. Like, they're not first place at the NFC East where Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are the second best team. Like, it's not like they're in a bad division and all of a sudden they're sitting in first place and if... Listen, Patrick Mahomes and the offense are back like they were yesterday. If that was, you know, that was more than just, hey, Gus Bradley's playing cover three and Jonathan Abrams out there, then Kansas City's absolutely winning this division by multiple games. Okay, so I don't, the NFL schedule always confuses the hell out of me because of weird things like this. But how about we just do it based on once every team gets to play the Giants, because every team gets to play the Giants, we decide, did you beat the Giants? Then you're good. Did you lose to the Giants? Then you're bad. That might be fair. What about the Titans? They lost to the Jets. What are, what are we? What are you supposed to do? How does that work into this equation? Best record in the AFC. <laughs> lost to the Jets. I mean, you said it best earlier in the show. It's completely unexpected. Look at the Cowboys. Just get rolled by Denver, and yesterday they put up 42. So, like, week to week, you have no idea what's yeah. going to happen week to week in this league. The, yeah. the Raiders could beat the best AFC team. The Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. The Bengals are the best. They have AFC not won a game since. They have you not won a game since best. I determined they were the best team in the AFC. They're coming up a bye. Raiders beat them. They're right back in it. Next question. The Washington Football Team Man. beat the Tampa Bay Bucks twenty-nine to nineteen and had one of the most incredible drives to clinch that game. A nineteen-play. 10 minute and 26 second drive that ended with a touchdown with 29 seconds left. Incredible. I mean, Tom Brady scored a touchdown, hit Mike Evans to get Tampa Bay within a single possession with 11 minutes on the clock. Tom Brady didn't get the ball again until there was less than 30 seconds to play in the game. And they were now down two scores. That is unbelievable. Because, listen, when Tom Brady hits Mike Evans for that touchdown, it's like, okay, here comes Tampa yeah, Bay. They're going to they're, exactly. get a stop. They're yes. going to get the ball back. Brady's going to win it for th- He's going to throw another touchdown, right. and they're going to be leading. Brady's going to win it for him. He didn't get that chance. He got the ball back with less than 30 seconds down two possessions. An unbelievable drive. Well, they're off. They're off. 
going for second in the NFC East, man. They're all, they're all playing for second. It's going to be a great second place finish for a team that they're just they're just winning for bad draft position yes, is what exactly. they're doing. <laughs> Washington, <laughs> Philly, and the Giants are all just winning for worst draft position. Next question. The Titans beat the Saints 23 to 21. They are now 8 and 2. They have won 5 straight games over playoff or teams that were in the playoffs last year. They also have four games they've won by three points or less this year. Seattle, Buffalo, New Orleans, and Indianapolis. They have the most uh, players used this season due to injury because they have had the most man games lost due to injury this season. How good are the Titans? They are the best team in the AFC. <laughs> oh, God. They're about to lose, they're about four to straight. lose three straight. The 8-8 eight and eight Titans. <laughs> Going to week 17, trying to eke out a wild card spot. Well, let me ask you this. Do you applaud them for winning the close games, or do you think it becomes? Do you think it's because they're just not that good? Well, Sometimes if you win close games, people say, okay, you're pretty good. So close game on the road in Seattle. Not that Seattle's great, but it's not exactly easy to blow out the Seahawks in Seattle. Close win over Buffalo. That's fine. Close win. win over New Orleans. That's good. fine. Close win over Indy. They're not good, but they're not awful. That's not like a close win over Detroit. I think those close wins are relatively fine because they're against decent. Those are good, good teams. teams. Now, over the course of the season, right? If they continue to play close games, that they're going to start losing some of them. They're not going to win every game that's decided by a single possession. If they do, that'd be absurd. So they're probably going to lose some more games the second half of the season because of that. But here's the thing with the AFC they're probably the best team just by default because nobody else is actually good in the AFC. Like are the Ravens good? Are the bills good? Uh, they lost to the dolphins and the Jags. Makes in the for last some interesting weeks. playoffs. Cause you have absolutely, absolutely right? no idea. So I, I think they're the best team in the AFC, but it's kind of by default, even though I don't really think the Titans are actually that good. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. Cam Newton <laughs> scored Perfect a touchdown. Drop. On his first play back with the Carolina Panthers, yelled, I'm back for the camera. By the way, he got flagged for unsportsmanlike just, conduct for that. They have absolutely no clue how to call this, when to call this, and why to call this. I would never call this at all. I really wouldn't. The the, the taunting penalties, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, what, there's just no fun at all. Who cares that this guy, and by the way, he yelled, I'm back. That was more about him. Like he, yes. was, he he wasn't like in someone's face, like you know, t you know, frog you or to heck with you. It was more about him. How can that be unsportsmanlike conduct? He's he talking took about his himself. helmet off. Oh please. Which I agree. Oh please. Uh, yeah. Give me a break. This the, the stupidity in these uh, this stupidity in these rules is ridiculous. He then threw a touchdown on the second snap that he took in the game. <laughs> Why is PJ Walker still playing? Exactly. <laughs> Well, remember, Matt Rule, Matt Rule, as he said in the, the sound for in the 745 segment, <laughs> he's not going to tell you who started. What is he? He's getting he on knows, the bus. He knows who's yeah. starting, but he's not going to tell you. He's getting on the so bus. So don't even ask. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> missed, missed, missed Mark Stone when he was out. The Lions and Steelers tied 16-16. Detroit missed a field goal in overtime. Pittsburgh lost two fumbles in overtime. I have never seen a game that deserved to be a tie more than that one. 
oh, I hated this game for personal reasons, but um, I did love. Isn't there always one, Najee Harris? Um, I didn't even know you could tie in the NFL. Um, in my mind, <laughs> I was sitting on the bench saying, I've got another quarter to go. But someone said to me, that's it. I've never had a tie in my life. Isn't it always one person? Yep. You always have one of these guys who come into this league after playing the tiebreakers in college and they're not being ties and never understanding there's a tie. There's always one. There's always one guy. And it's great. I love Oh, it's awesome. I, I just, love that I there are NFL laugh players that don't know the rules. I love that he thought there was another quarter. Done. The best one I ever heard was in 2016 when Jay Gruden literally went, I, I didn't know. I didn't know you could tie. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not a loss, so that's good. But it's not really a win either. I, I didn't know you could tie. Oh. If you're the Lions, they're now 0-8-1. Would you rather be 0-8-1 or just 0-9? Oh. Half a win. 0-8-1. Are you sure? Well, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about draft. You're not eliminated draft. from oh, no, the play? I'm, I'm just saying I'd rather be 0-9. 0-8-1 says I was really close to getting that one, and I didn't get it. <laughs> I don't know about that. I I, I mean, take the tie. What are, what are they? They are like like three kicks away from having three wins. Like they yeah. missed a field goal yeah. that was, I don't know. They missed a field goal in, in 40 something yards yeah. in that game that could have won it. Justin Tucker breaks the NFL record for longest field goal to beat these lines. Right. Like that's another one. I think they've had another game that was decided by a last second field goal that they either missed or the other team made. Like, yeah, I'd rather be 0-9 because that just makes me feel better. Because 8 and one is like, ah, oh, we were close, but now it's somehow the, the one is on the wrong side of the lost column. The kick, the kick that he missed, the best part, and I couldn't find the audio, was on the replay. The color in the play-by-play guy going, well, someone got their hand on it. <laughs> That's right. Did hey, you see how watch, badly that guy You that... watch it, you go, no. no? no. He just bleeping I mean, missed. It was brutal that kick it was like one of us trying to kick it we could have gotten it that far it was horrible he was the guy that comes out at halftime to kick for like <laughs> yeah free chick-fil-a for life or in something. the rain yeah <laughs> k-long told me a couple days ago I, you gotta get rid of this echo <laughs> can't talk i'm drunk whatever <laughs> kansas beat texas 57 56 in overtime Kansas went for two to win the game in the first overtime and a walk-on freshman fullback caught the game-winning two-point conversion. Texas has now lost five games in a row this year. This is also the second time Kansas has beaten Texas this decade. It is the only Big 12 opponent that Kansas has beaten twice this decade. We've seen uh, Gary Patterson get bounced. Jimmy Lake got bounced, but he had some off-the-field issues there at Washington. There's no chance, but is there a chance if they lose out as mighty and as rich as Texas is, they say, hey, Sark, it was good, but you got to move on. You have to, don't you? If they lose out. If they're four and eight. With as much money, yeah, because you never worry about paying guys off at Texas. You just have too much money. If they're four and eight, if you're Texas and you're four and eight and you lose to teams like Kansas, I think you have to do that. Like you talk about expectations. Four and eight's not, not even close. Like, it's not even like you, you... No, they'd get mad at 8-4 and four right. at that place. But at 8-4, like and four, four and you could at least look back and say, well, oh, we're on our way. Lost Oklahoma by 3 right, and lost right. to Texas Tech by right. 4. Like, we're a couple plays away from right. 10 wins and being in the Big 12 title game or something. 4-8 and eight's not even close. If they lose out, yeah, that's not even close. And that is absolutely worth firing if they're 4-8. and eight. Next question. All right. I loved this one. Baylor beats Oklahoma. Beats them by 13. 
But regardless of anything else that happened in the game, Baylor kicked a field goal on the final play of the game. They were up by 10, kicked a field goal to win by 13. Baylor students had already rushed the field. They had to get them off the field so that they could try this field goal because Dave Aranda wanted to kick the field goal in the last play of the game. When asked about it afterwards, he said he wanted to get over 10, a 10-point margin of victory because of the Big 12 tiebreakers. In the Big 12, if there is a three-way tie, one of the tiebreakers, it's not the first one, but one of the tiebreakers is points or point differential in the games among the three tied teams. They lost to Oklahoma State by 10. So if somehow there's a three-way tiebreaker between them, Oklahoma State, and another team, they would be at an advantage right now because they beat Oklahoma State by third or beat Baylor by 13 and lost to Oklahoma State by 10. It's beautiful. Good I for love Miranda. It. Love I it. Love I love it. that he has, I love that he was actually thinking that. Not yes. I mean that he that even he knew. was like, wait a minute. Aware of it? Yeah. And that he even said afterwards he was like we needed to get a stop on that last possession yeah. and then we wanted to go down and score to get over 10. I love that not only is he aware of it, but at the end of the game he is not only coaching for it, but also willing to call a timeout, get the fans off the field because damn it, we need this yes. for the tiebreaker. It's great. Lincoln Riley, don't shut up. He complained about it. How about that guy? Get out of here, Lincoln Riley. That guy's such a Don't worry about the student newspaper watching your practice from a window. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here, Lincoln Riley. Man, you know, that's a great question. Georgia beat Tennessee 41 to 17. The notable part about this game is that that is the most points Georgia has allowed this season. Are they going to beat everybody by 30? Are they are they going to beat everybody by thirty? I like, think they're well. I don't think they beat Bama by thirty. Are you sure? Because yes, Alabama yes. hasn't looked that impressive. I don't think they beat him by thirty, but I think they're going to beat him. I think they're by far the best team. Their defense has been so yeah, unbelievably good this amazing. year. Amazing, like it's incredible. Like seriously, seventeen points, and you're yeah. looking around saying, "Good job, Tennessee." That was that was a good performance. Everyone <laughs> gets tomorrow off. Hell of a job. <laughs> you lost by four touchdowns, but it is like we we've made a lot about the college football rankings, and we'll do it again this week. It might not matter at all who you put in there. How much better are they than everyone? Georgia, they might simply be. Like, their defense is unbelievably yeah. good that I, you look at even in Alabama and you say, are, are they going to break 20 points against Georgia? I don't know. Maybe. Coming up next, oh, Kevin Kruger. He's 2-0. Goff's got it back to pass. Goff loads and throws deep middle. It is caught. And they tried a little razzle-dazzle, get it to Trinity Benson. Trinity Benson running left sideline, and they throw it. Knocked out of bounds is DeAndre Swift, and that's it. We got a tie. <laughs> Two teams will meet out in the middle of the field to say job well done. 16-16, our final score here in Pittsburgh. It's just weird. We, I've never experienced a tie, and you don't know if it's be happy or sad. I mean, really, you're not happy because we could have won it, and, and we didn't. Mm-hmm. But it is better than a loss, I guess. You know, it's not. That's not any consolation, but on paper it is. Look, I think that's a good football team. And that's a winning football team, and they've done it right for a long time. You know, we went toe-to-toe with them, and, and I think that's what it says. We were able to go in there, and no, we, we didn't win, but we didn't lose either. And all you can ask for is improvement. We improved. We did. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Kevin Kruger also has not lost, but he has won. 2-0. Beat Cal 55-52. How are you feeling about Kevin Kruger's running Rebels? I just, 
I don't know. It's kind of, you know, they're close games. Give us some hot take. We are teasing a football hot take for the entire week. We're teasing two things. There's going to be a special. get a hot take about basketball. There's going to be a special announcement about the show in the coming days and weeks. Months. Months. Let's go months. (laughs) It's been months since we were going to do this. And the hot take is coming up on UNLV football. Hot take on UNLV basketball. They defend, baby. They do defend. They do defend. My hot take is that the big rotations, like 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 the ten people, the ten the ten man rotation will stick. Oh, when bad. conference starts, that is a bad take. Oh no, no, no they've already cut one guy out of the rotation, <laughs> so they're down to nine. <laughs> that's why I didn't want to say ten man. I, that's why I was like the large, the large the several rotation. people rotation. David Mwaka got cut out of the rotation yesterday. You or uh, Saturday, UNLV elected to play with five guards. Uh, before they played with David Mwaka on the floor. So there's already been one guy cut from that list. Um, Here's the thing about UNLV so far. Their defense has been much better than in the past. Now, neither team they've played is particularly good. Gardner, Webb, and Cal are, they're not awful. These are not like teams they're going to be, hey, that's the 311th best team in the country, but they're teams they're going to float around 150th best team in the country. So they're, you know, an average college basketball team, an average Mountain West level team is basically what they have played. So in that context, you know, these defense has been good. They've held Gardner Webb to, uh, and Cal to both under one point per possession. That's something that, you know, happens about 25% of the time over the last few years as you know, hold an opponent under one point per possession. They've been good on that side of the ball. And that is, that seemed to be the goal from Kevin Kruger's recruiting and the transfer portal was to bring in long athletic guys that could just simply make plays defensively just by being long and athletic. Kevin Kruger said that leading up to the first game, they spent more time on defense than they did on offense. And now we've seen in two games, they're 2-0 and without doing much offensively. They've been bad offensively, but they've still won both games because of how good they are defensively. Okay, then... Let me ask you this, because I asked Mike Grimaldi this. Um, I watched San Diego State-BYU the other night, and once again, San Diego State looks like they're long and athletic and really good defensively. They can't shoot either. Uh, and I thought afterwards, as I asked Grimaldi, I just don't think that's something you can you can improve in practice. You know, people are like, oh, he took 1,000 shots. He took 1,000 shots against two. What kind of stress was he under? You know, who was guarding him under a th- all those 1,000 shots? So you've seen this team for two games. I'm sure you'll be there tonight. It, are you concerned at all that it's just not a shooting team? I mean, yes. I, I oh, mean yes. that's that's. I don't think you can get better in practice. I think you're either a good shooting team or you're not. So they hit 10 of 29 threes in game two, which is solid. Better than they, one of 25. Right. Yeah, so if they do that, that's that's solid. But here's the thing. Like, you have – there's two guys on this team that are kind of here as shooters, Justin Webster and Josh Baker, right? And Justin Webster was at Hawaii last year where he hit over 40% of his threes. That's Division One level. You know he's yes, better yes, than Hawaii, yes. but that's Division One college Division basketball, conference. and he hit 40% of his threes. He's 0 for 5 to start the year, right? Presumably, he's going to start making threes. He might not hit 42% or whatever it was last year. But he's he hit at least hit, 33%. Yeah, he should be hitting 35% or something like that. Josh Baker came from a Juco. Josh Baker, it was 48 or 49% he hit from three last year. Now, that was Juco. You're taking the step up. He's one of nine this year. There's no reason a guy who shoots almost 50% from three from Juco can't hit 33, 35% right. at the Division One level. So there are guys that are should be at least good shooters that are just off to an awful start that should correct itself. My bigger concern is going to be how many bad shooters are shooting threes for this team because 
Bryce Hamilton is not a good three-point shooter. Bryce Hamilton has taken 15 threes this year. Already. Donovan Williams has not proven to be a good three-point shooter. He didn't have a ton of attempts, but he had some at Texas. He's taken eight threes this year, right? So how many times are bad three-point shooters shooting threes? Jordan McCabe doesn't have a great uh, track record as a three-point shooter. He only took three, but he took three against Cal in his only game. In his first game. Those players, if those guys are shooting, you know, a combined 10 threes a game, that's probably too many. That to me is the bigger concern is who's shooting the threes. Which means this could hang, which means this could catch up to him because you have the numbers here when they don't score at least one point per session in the last five years. Three and eight, two and nine, two and nine, oh and five, two and eighteen. Boy, that was bad in yeah. sixteen, seventeen. So they start playing better teams and they're scoring under one point per possession. That could really right. be bad. They are the last five seasons, ten and forty nine, when they don't get to one point per possession offensively. Ten and forty nine. This year they're two and oh. So normally when you don't hit a point per possession, you lose in college basketball. The positive side of that is the defense has been so yes. good that they've won games they've despite yes. that. And, you know, North Dakota State, they play North Dakota State tonight, who, by the way, they're the best team by Ken Palm rank that UNLV has on their schedule so far. Of the three first three games of the year, North Dakota State's the best of those three by Ken Palm right now. It's really early to reference Ken yeah, Palm Yeah, the ranking, data is very early. But... North Dakota State is not some complete pushover that they should win by 20. They're right. a decent basketball team. So they could it could happen tonight. They could lose this game tonight if they don't get over one point per possession against North Dakota State. Because when you, like you said with, you know, San Diego State, when you're a team that say, hey, we're going to be really good defensively. We can't really score that efficiently. We're going to try to win low scoring games where we're throwing rocks at each other. Your margin is so thin. Mm -hmm. You're going to play in a lot of close games. And now being good defensively helps you win those close games because like Cal, they gave up four points in the last four minutes to Cal. Like that's really good. But your margin is so thin that, okay, you should beat North Dakota State, but all of a sudden it's a two-point game with 90 seconds to go and one shot falls in for North Dakota State. All right, you lost. You lost the game. So it's not the best way to go about putting together a 22-24 win season. But it's probably the best way for Kevin Kruger to go about making this team better than it has been recently. So I've been encouraged defensively, discouraged offensively, because they just haven't been good on that end and they haven't shot well and, you know, they haven't had a lot of good moments. But we'll see how much better they get throughout the season. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Hello, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, guys. Uh, all right. Ignore all the players that are out because of injury. Is this team just good right now as is? Uh, I mean, they've, they're getting results, right? Um, I, I still think that there's a lot they can do to, to move in, in the right direction defensively. They were really good against Seattle, really good against Minnesota. It, it loosened up a little bit um, in their last game against Vancouver, but you know, at least that was entertaining. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if they play the right way, they can win more hockey games than they lose, and that's a testament to Pete DeBoer and, and what he's been able to get out of this team. What did you think of Mark Stone? Uh, I thought that he struggled early and got better as the game wore on, and then by the end of the game, he just reminded me of Mark Stone. Uh, you, you knew it was going to take him a little bit of time to get uh, his timing, his rhythm back, but uh, he, he certainly had it by the end of the game. 
Uh, do you think he and Evgeny Dodonov are going to be good enough together to make Pete DeBoer think about that as a combination in the future? Ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that Dodonov had a phenomenal game uh, on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. He was arguably the best player for the Golden Knights. If he has more of those games and you still you, you build on that chemistry and he goes off for some, I don't know, like 10 goals in the next six or seven games, then maybe you start to think about it a little bit. But Stone, Stevenson, and Pacioretty have been so dominant for so long as a line. I don't know that there's there's anything short of scoring a hat-trick every game for Dodonov to kind of change that. <laughs> you know, if he did that, he'd be close to Marsha so on pace for goals. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, I mean, Almost. He's, he's, he's not far off, right? So um, it, it's funny. Like, we, we kind of sit and think about Dodonov and, and early on this year and say, ah, we need more. He needs to be better. He needs to do this and that. Uh, there's an adjustment period coming to a new team. We saw it last year with Alex Petrangelo. And even though we see that happen, time and time again where a guy comes in and it takes them a little bit of time to get to their peak. Um, we still say, like, kind of forget about it and just say, oh, no, they're supposed to be a difference maker from the from the first game, and it doesn't often work that way. We're reminded of that now with Yevgeny Dodonov. Will they ever be healthy enough to actually have to deal with the salary cap, or are we going to see more defensemen with skates to the face? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, that's a really interesting question. Um <laughs> You know, I think right now it's it's just a, a wait-and-see game. How long does it take for Jack Eichel to recover from his surgery? When is he going to be able to play? And if it's in the regular season, what does that look like in, say, February or early March? There's a lot that can change between now and then. And the Golden Knights have been so incredibly unlucky with injuries that I wouldn't be shocked if they're able to activate Jack Eichel without having to make a trade because they've got more money on LTIR. I don't believe in Anaheim because I don't think the Golden Knights have ever lost to them, even though they won seven in a row now, so they could lose they could win twenty seven in a row. Still not a believer. Everyone comes back, do they run away to the division? Ooh, uh I mean that's an interesting question too. I think if they're if everyone's back, everyone's healthy, you've found the the right combination for what you're gonna do with Jack Eichel when he's in the lineup. I think this is the best team in the division and probably the best team in the conference. I just do what they're able to do right now. The experience you're getting for a guy like Nick Waugh, who's going to play down your lineup, you would think, when everyone's healthy. It just makes them so much more dynamic. So, yeah, I think defensively they're good. Um, In net, they've been fantastic. Uh, This is a really good hockey team. If they get healthy um, and they're close to Edmonton or Calgary, in terms of points, then, then yeah, I, I still think there's a, an avenue for them to win the division for sure. What is worse to have to deal with, the injuries the Golden Knights have had this year or when they had three goalie injuries, including Fleury and Subban in year one and they were playing Oscar Dansk and Max Legacy in NHL games? This is worse for sure. Uh, and, and, like, listen – it's it's not a like an indictment on goalies or anything, but like you you can suppress a lot when you have your full lineup operational and available to you. The Golden Knights can clamp things down and make it very very difficult if they've got Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and William Carlson back in the lineup. Uh, with the you know with with the goalies like you can you can kind of protect it a little bit more. And this has been a team that's historically been very good defensively. Now. With as many injuries as they've had, that defensive structure has gone by the wayside a little bit, 
and it's left goaltenders exposed. And that's why the Golden Knights have needed really solid performances from Robin Leonard and Loren Brassois in a couple of games to, to keep themselves where they're at in the standings. I just want to say thank you for uh, telling us that goalies don't matter. I, I mean, you know, like I didn't say that specifically, but I understand why you would run with it. <laughs> they don't matter. Just put anybody in there. Just a big meat bag. There, there, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is Tyler Bischoff. Well done. Is there anyone who does not deserve a tribute video? Do you know there's a week coming up where they could go Schmidt, Stasny, Reeves, Gallant, and Flurry? I mean, how many of these you got to go through? Is there, Once Merrow got one, I said, oh, everyone's getting one of these. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I love John Merrill, so, like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, I, I do think it was a little bit... Um, I don't know, um, a little bit much, I guess. Like, you have to pick and choose. You can't just have a tribute for everybody. But, I mean, listen, original Golden Knights from that first year, like, if you want to celebrate every single player that played for that team because they did something special, then by all means. But um, I wonder if they'll draw the line on Stastny. Stastny wasn't around for that first year. We'll see. That, that'll be an interesting one. Oh, yes, Dasney, I forgot. They, they, well, Schmidt people are going to go crazy at. Flurry, weird people will be crying. But I thought Merrill's was interesting. The best thing about Merrill's was by far the happy days scooter with Schmidt. There was only one yeah. hockey uh, highlight with Merrill, yes. so I don't know <laughs> how much he really did hockey-wise because everything else was not hockey. Well, the best thing about the hockey highlight is that it wasn't his play as a defenseman. That was the goal that he <laughs> yes. scored. Yeah, as a forward. He was a forward that <laughs> night. So we we broke it down. It was nine clips. Only one was hockey related, yes. and it wasn't even him playing the position he normally <laughs> plays. Play. But like that's John Merrill in a nutshell, and I, I think that that's so that's so fun and unique. So I, like I was cool with it. I was surprised by it to be honest. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like it, it might be a really really interesting couple of weeks when it comes to um, uh, tribute videos. So. So let's let's get let's get ready for it. You have full to give one full analysis. You have to give one to Gallant, don't you? Ooh, that's going to be tricky. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I would say yes, but I just don't know what that game's going to look like. <laughs> and which one do you do first? Do you do Reeves first, or do you do Gallant? Like which which direction do you go? <laughs> They're going to somehow combine them into one. Yes, exactly. That there way, Gallant go. gets cheered as well. Yeah. Um, All right, which would you rather do in your first NHL game? Score a goal or win a fight? Both. No, no. You got to pick. You got to pick. No riding the fence. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to score a goal. Like, I, as, as, as much as I love to drop the gloves, Tyler, I, it's, it's scoring a goal. That, that's the pinnacle of, of being in a hockey game. Okay, let me because here's here was my thought. If I'm like a top prospect and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna play a lot, I'm gonna score presumably quite a lot of goals, I think I'd prefer to win the fight in my first game because the goals will come. Yeah, I, if I'm if I'm a top prospect that, that is looking to score a lot of goals in my career, the last thing in the world that I want to do is jeopardize my hands Come by on. someone else's helmet. Come, Come on. on. That's ridiculous. You're, That's a terrible take. No, you're walking away. It's a hypothetical. You're walking away with clean hands. Your hands are good to go. Yeah, no, that's 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 a terrible take, Tyler. Come no, on. No, this is this is goal the right answer. Don't dream of being fighters. Like that's not a thing that happens. Yeah, but they, they'll score a goal eventually. It's going to happen. 
Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, like Nick Suzuki's never been in a fight. Yeah, I bet you if he could go back, he'd want to win a fight in his first ever game. Yeah, you know what? I bet there's a reason for that. Nick the, Suzuki doesn't want to fight because he knows where his money is made, and that's in his hands. That's why he should want to win a fight because he's never going to get no. to do it. That's why it's fun. That's, it's that's like a goalie a wanting to score a goal. That's not, they don't get paid to score a goal, but if they do it, it'd be amazing. Goalie scoring goals is not the same as talented players fighting. That's, that's such a terrible, terrible take. It's on the same level. I no, said, it's I not said, even close to the same level. I said it's score a goal because I want that. I want that man in the box putting that little tape across the puck and like writing on it. My first career NHL fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be way better. Take take your glove, put some tape on it. First fight. <laughs> first fight. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be it's so much better. Get out of here, Ryan. I don't app- I don't approve of your opinions today. Thank you, Ryan. Terrible take. Thanks, bud. See ya. Take the fight. That would be funny with the tape on the glove. Yes. That little man in the box always gets out the tape and like starts writing things on. He did it for March so's hundredth goal. That's right. It'd be way cooler. Look, I got a glove from my first NHL fight. I assume it's not special tape. No, like I assume no, it's, it's the not. same tape it's that they're like, "Hey, my groin needs to be taped yeah, up." No, All it, right, give us the gold tape. It kind of looks just like athletic tape when they were wrapping Marshall's the other night, and the little man was writing on it. It just looks like normal athletic tape. It's not special tape. Yes, that tape could either be destined to go on somebody's stinky ankle for yes. an entire game, or a, or, or a puck. wrapped <laughs> around a puck with yes. Marshy, one hundred VGK. Yeah, you gotta goal. say Marshy. You couldn't yeah. say his, you couldn't say his Hold name. Hold on, no, is there? I don't know if it's sort of like the Baseball Hall of Fame where they like during certain games just go, "Could you give us that? Yeah, we we need, we need those shoes. We need your shoes. So, we need your pants. I get it. It's the third inning. Take them off. <laughs> By the way, on that, there was a, a tweet about the items going to the Baseball Hall of Fame from the World Series. Jock Peterson's pearls were not one of the items. No, he had them on last night at the Raider game. Right. Well, I'm sure he has more than one. But, like, how does the Hall of Fame not take Jock Peterson's pearls? It's true. Of any artifact of yes. the Braves World Series yes. run, it's not yeah. Jock Peterson's yeah. pearls? Jock Peterson, man, he looked like he had, he was having a good time in that <laughs> game last night. He looked a little, uh, I've been here for a while, and they had me in the uh, tailgate outside. That's how Jock Peterson plays. <laughs> exactly. That's how he shows up to the game. That's why he can only hit righties. <laughs> Can't hit lefties. He's listing slowly yes. to yes. the left. Yes. <laughs> All right, coming up next, why do the A's hate their season ticket holders? I'm just curious if after being away more than a decade from the big game, you get back, how you'd feel if somehow you're not able to play due to your vaccination status. How would you feel if you had to miss that game due to your choice? Yeah, I don't really like playing the what if game. So what I do know is I have, you know, more than two months right now where, you know, my protocol is not testing every single day. I don't like playing the hypothetical game. Uh, obviously, love to be playing second weekend in February, and hopefully we're in that position. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Ed, how many Kansas City Chiefs fans were at the game last night? Oh, sea of red last night. More than 50%? I think so. I think more than 50%. And then afterwards, uh, you heard them leaving literally leaving the Legion Stadium doing the uh doing the war cry with the tomahawk chant. I mean they were you could hear them leaving from the press box. That's how loud they were. We've been trying to get rid of that for a little bit. 
<laughs> well, if any, if last night's also any indication, big, also the big drum. If last night's any indication, you have failed miserably because we heard the entire thing from the press box. That was a. Uh, we finally banned headdresses two years ago. That was a tame crowd last night. Wasn't very uh, loud. Was it ever in doubt? Yeah. The Kansas City, Kansas City, when they did something well, were pretty loud. I know people though. Again, and people, the Raider fans are going to run into this, and the Raiders are going to run into this. I'm not going to say how much. I might have told you before, but I know someone we all know who has four season tickets, who almost made up for his season tickets just on last night by selling them. Yeah, I mean, Chiefs fans spent a lot of money last night. But I would, I mean, I mean, that's their one game. You circle it, and that's what's going to happen every year. People who haven't been here are going to look at the schedule and, oh, I go to one game a year, and they're going to circle this game, and they're going to come, and they're going to pay whatever people want for those tickets. Does that keep happening 10 years down the road? Like our, our I mean, maybe I, I, think they, City, I think it does with Chiefs fans because they travel everywhere. Do we have Chiefs, Broncos, and Chargers? They're going to play here every single year. Are we going to have... Far more so with the Chiefs. We're going to have those fan bases coming in every single uh, year saying, hmm. oh, it's Vegas. They're Chargers fans? Yeah, That's a good not, point. not, right, not with Broncos them. and Chiefs. All right. Chiefs, we'll yes. Chiefs, yes. Because I, I think they're a great fan base. I think once we get a couple of years in the future, people are not going to be like, oh, of course I got to go see Allegiant Stadium. I think it's going to be more about the team and the matchup. Whereas, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are good. I'm going to go watch them play, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't really travel to watch a bad team play as much as you travel to watch a good team play. So, like, oh, yeah, Kansas City's good. Whoever the best team is on the schedule, yeah, that team's going to travel well. But, like, if the Broncos are three and nine coming into Allegiant Stadium. Not as much. I think the Chiefs fans just go everywhere. Dating back to a long time ago, I I would see them on the road in hotels when the team I was covering was there. They're everywhere. I will say that there's also, like, the Vegas element of it has, like, I have friends who live in Kansas City who come to Vegas twice a year and have changed their, like, well, we used to do it this time, but now that we know there's a Chiefs game there every year. They're just going to go then. Yeah, we're going then. And instead of seeing a ventriloquist, we're going to see the Chiefs. So when the Chiefs go through five straight years of missing the playoffs, will they still do that? Yeah, this fan bit. They, they broke the, I'm pretty sure they broke the noise record in a season where they only won two games. Yeah, that's not real. None of that's ever real. There was a whole thing about the Seahawks, and they're like, oh, they cause earthquakes, and somebody disproved it by saying, no, they built the stadium on crappy ground. So I don't believe any of that crap about, oh, look at our decibels and we broke the noise record. In 10 years, I can still see that you're going to get some fan bases like, I don't know if the Cowboys play here next year. It it depends on what divisions they play, but they're at the Cowboys this year. Like a ton of Cowboy fans would travel for the first time. I don't know if they do it for the second or third time. Well, Cowboys a lot live here. Yes. Cowboys has got to be the second biggest fan base in this city. Mm, Bears. Bears is pretty big. Like Like that's the other part of this is that the it's Raiders, such a transient city. You're the Raiders get don't own everywhere. this city, like as far as fan bases go. Like it's the most popular one now right. that they're here, but it's not like we're sitting in a city where ninety percent of the people city. are no. fans of the Raiders. Right. It's we might not even be at fifty percent of the people in this city are fans of the Raiders. So like, there's a lot of Bears fans here. There's a lot of Steelers fans. Cowboys. here. There's a lot of Cowboys fans here. So it's not. There's a lot of Packers fans here. So when like those teams play here, people don't even have to travel. They. Just, they just already live. They just here. spend tickets. Yeah, they just buy the tickets and go. So I think there's some fan bases that are, regardless, they're going to have a massive crowd every time because so many thousands of people live here that already cheer for those. Teams. I don't know how much the uh, stadium authority cares as long as it's full. Well, the stadium. I mean, authority, I think yes. I think the Raiders care. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mark Davis has got to care. Mark Davis to. cannot be happy last no. night. 
when he's no, looking across. And the biggest there is... moment for Mark Davis last night is when they introduced the three Aces players who won gold medals at the Olympics. <laughs> That's That was kind of like the... Uh, the the cherry on top for Mark Davis last night, considering what happened in the yeah. game. Like, there's no way Mark Davis looks across and sees so much red no. in the crowd, Ooh. and it's like, oh well, at least there's tourism dollars. Right. No, I will say that loss last night is probably the best thing that's happened to him in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I was actually on the field, off the field. It hasn't been good. <laughs> hey, at least they're just talking about how yeah. bad we at play. Least, football. At least this is about football. <laughs> At least they can talk about Derek Carr's interceptions or Jonathan Abram not being able to cover anybody. That's a great day for them. It's a positive spin on the year for the Ed Raiders. Ed Grady hasn't called me. <laughs> I do have a tendency now to call him for very non-on-field football stuff. I don't know why I'd ever call him about non-field football stuff. What? I mean, that's for the Mark, coach. where was Deshaun Jackson <laughs> running? <laughs> Have we figured that out yet? Where was he going? The wrong way. Yeah. What? I mean, the most bizarre <laughs> good play to terrible play that you'll see because he 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 probably could have just walked into the end zone. Had he kept going straight, or as they like to say, downhill, and keep going downhill and straight, he would have scored a touchdown. Yeah, he might have gotten caught Maybe. from behind because he had he was out of complete. Been in the stop. red zone, but he he started running towards. The, he just ran sideways. He it's only like got there I, twice. Unbelievable. Biggest play of the game, though. A.J. Cole forcing a fumble.